Hello gamers from around the world, this is Boxenberger, the video game enthusiast from Germany and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of The World of Gaming, your number one podcast where we discuss everything the world of gaming has to offer, games, news and technology and as usual we go through the highlights of the week and as always I want to put out a reminder in the beginning that this show is also now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the good stuff, so if you want to listen there, enjoy it over there and please consider to give me a five star rating either on spotify or apple podcast that would be really awesome and for those who do listen audio only i always recommend to also check the show out here on youtube because we have an awesome live chat and i already see a lot of familiar faces welcome to you guys but now let me also welcome today's guest um ainsley voden from season gaming He's the host of the BitCast and the co-host of the Cast Coa podcast, CEO and founder of the website that does not rely on sponsorships or clickbait stuff. Um, one hell of a passionate gamer. And I always have to mention your, your dedicated gaming basement because that is just super impressive. So welcome to today's show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. We've, uh, you know, I've known you since you first got into this and uh, had you on BitCast many times and yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to being on here with you. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking time. I know you're a busy man. Um, so I really appreciate you hanging here out with us today and sure. we're going to have a fun show. Um, in case you don't know C uh, Ainsley and what he does, um, I have all his links in the description of the show notes. So just click in there. You will find Season Gaming, which I highly recommend, the YouTube channel, Twitter, everything. Thank you. All right. Um, and in terms of uh, topics, we are packed this week, actually. I, I, the, the, the week started slow, and I thought, like, ah, man, will we have <laughs> enough to talk uh, yeah. for the show? But, but we have something to talk. Uh, we will talk about Starfield. There have been official news from a dev diary, but there have also been some leaks um, over there on Reset Era. We will talk about those. Um, we will talk about the ID at Xbox event. We will talk about the initiative and what is going on with the turnovers there we are talking about third-party um, gaming events this year there have been some updates we will talk about console sales numbers some golden eye news dropped today and a lot more so before uh, we discuss the, all these, these these news i always want to start the show with a little bit uh, uh, of talk about the games that um, we actually play <music> So, Ainsley, before I want to hear from you what you have been playing, um, I want to briefly mention that uh -huh. GTA V came out this week again <laughs> on the third generation. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried this? Uh, no, not the new one. I mean, I you know yeah. I played it on 360 when it released, of course, and then I bought it, I bought it again for the Xbox One, and I yeah, swear it's still sitting sealed on my shelf. Like, oh. I bought it, like, six years ago. It's still in the plastic. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I considered buying this one just because it's a cheaper upgrade, you know, and, and giving it a go again. But honestly, I'm I'm so tied up with other games right now, I know I wouldn't have time to play it, so I haven't bothered. Yeah, can totally understand. I, I'm not buying it either again. I've also bought it twice uh, and had two playthroughs, so that's enough. <laughs> so what have you been playing? Oh, man. Well, yeah, anyone who follows me knows that Elden Ring pretty much took over my life. Um, oh, yeah, I, let's, let's put up some footage here. There right. we go. <laughs> I um, 
yeah, I reviewed it. I was for very fortunate enough to review it, and I put uh, over 80 hours into it for the review on PC. Then when uh, I got my Xbox code, I went on, started Xbox. I started one character for like another 40 hours. Then I was like, no, nah, I don't like this. Started another character. I'm at 70-some hours on that. And then I'm doing a live playthrough on Twitch of the whole game as well. And I think I've got another 40-plus hours in that. So I'm over 200 hours in the Elden Ring. Played through the game twice. Um, it is just... It's it's one of my favorite games of all time, hands down. Uh, I absolutely adore it. Um, so that has pretty much been taken over, sadly, because that took mm -hmm. over my life. There's a few other games that uh, I've been wanting to check out that uh, I'm big on and just have been kind of behind. So I started Horizon yeah. Forbidden West recently. Oh, nice. Uh, and I'm trying to get into that. I'm about 10 hours in, a little slow start, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm waiting for it to grab me. And then, uh, of course... We've talked offline, of course. Uh, I'm a car guy, yeah. and uh, you know, started playing Gran Turismo Seven as well. So, uh -oh. how how is it? It's pretty good. It's very much a it's very much a classic Gran Turismo experience. Meaning mm -hmm. it 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 sets it wants to tell you everything about every car, why they're designed that way. You know, starting with the basics and ramping up and doing your license tests and all this stuff. So it's, you know, if you just want to get in and, and race like top cars, it's not the game for you. Mm -hmm. That's not what it does. Um, you know, I think Forza does a better job there and, and in other aspects as well. But it is Gran Turismo. The physics and the racing itself are very good. It's very detailed and uh, I'm enjoying it. I need to put a little more time into it, um, but I'm enjoying it so far. Okay, nice, nice. What do you say about the microtransaction controversy that uh, came up today? Yeah. Have you seen this? I have, For those yeah. who don't know, um, for just a short summary, they basically, that there have been complaints about um, expensive prices of microtransactions in that game. And so they basically increased the in-game currency that you need for, for cars. So it makes it even harder for you to um, get the credits to... to in game to buy the, the cars so what do you think about this yeah it's it's messy i i i'm really careful as you know about yeah kind of commenting on things i can't speak from from experience or knowledge right so i can tell you that earning credits in the game seems pretty slow at least so far mm -hmm. and the cars are about as expensive as you would expect you know like a, a nice high-end car three four five hundred thousand dollar or credits five hundred thousand credits um and it, it can take a while to earn that so the i think the controversy is really that it's you know the the rate of earning in the game is slow but you can buy credits with real money right and it's mm -hmm. like wh why would you have that in a $70 or in the US $70 game, a full price game. Um, so yeah, I, I can definitely see the problem there if if it's uh, as bad as some people are saying. I don't think I'm far enough to experience that yet. But okay. yeah, that could be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, man, I've also been playing Elden Ring uh, a lot lately. I'm now what 35 hours or so. Is it, it grabbing you? Kind of. I have a love-hate love, love -hate relationship with the game. There are so many things that the game does really well, but then there are some things that it really does not well, in my opinion. <laughs> and so I would say at this point, um, again, 35 hours into it, I'm level, my character is now, what, level 50-something. Sure. Um, I just beat uh, that lady in the in the academy. Renala, yep. yeah, exactly. So that's where I'm at in the game. And right now, I would say it's a good game. It's not a masterpiece. Um, okay. There are a couple of things um, that, yeah, 
I have to be careful with, with what I say because I, I realized when I put out the slightest critique on Twitter, I have received a shitstorm in my DMs <laughs> I have never experienced before. <laughs> really, if you think that the console warriors are toxic, the defense for from software defense force is worse than anything I've experienced. <laughs> so I have to be careful with what I say about um, uh, Elden Ring. I um, I like it, <laughs> it's, okay. but it's it's not the, the big masterpiece that I I um, uh, that everyone makes it out to be. I think there are a couple of of, of flaws that yeah that t just take away a little bit of the fun for me. Okay. It's 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 smaller things like quality of life things like a missing pause button but that really annoys me um okay. because when my kids walk in the room i can't pause and i die again and <laughs> again and again and it is just just smaller things like that or the item descriptions i i don't know who had the idea but there are so many item descriptions just not telling you what certain items do and i know people defend this as yeah that's the charm of the game to find it out for me it means i spend more time on google than i want to um, <laughs> and yeah i don't know so there are a couple of things and i think my biggest issue with it is and i don't know if if you would agree here probably not because i know how much you like it yeah but the the difficulty is not the issue of the game. The issue with the difficulty and approachability is that the game is sometimes simply unfair to you. And I really like challenging games. I don't know, for instance, if you have played Hollow Knight. Yes, um, two very different games. I know it's it's you can't compare them. But yeah. I died hundreds of times in Hollow Knight. But I did not have once the feeling that when I died, it wasn't my fault. And I have that constantly in Elden Ring. I, I, I just die for without any warning you walk around the corner and there's an enemy standing there smacking you in the face and you're dead and and stuff like that um or sometimes any uh, boss fights i i win them but i don't have the feeling that i win them because i was good at the game i would i just got lucky and and that is something i don't think a, a difficult game should do um but yeah, I know there are different opinions about this. So yeah, yeah, I I think you're right. I think uh, you're right about some of the FromSoft fans. They get a little bit yeah. over defensive. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's certainly true. And I, I I'm talking to tons of people. As I said, I just because I, I reviewed it and I've played so much of it, I'm being looked at, and I wrote a guide for it. I, I'm being looked at as one of those which kind is of really helpful, especially when you start the game. By the way. Yeah, thank you. That was the whole point, right? It's like yeah. I, I'm very much someone who likes to experience games like this from a, a purity standpoint. And what I mean by mm -hmm. that is when I played it, both of my playthroughs, I didn't use anything that showed me where to go. No YouTube tutorials, no nothing. I just explored and did it myself. And so I wanted to create a guide that didn't really have any spoilers. It just kind of told you basic mechanics, concepts, etc. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, but I... Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are coming to me about this game, and I've had tons of conversations. And and there's people, just like you, of course, who really like the game, but they don't hold it on that really high yeah. pedestal. Um, and so I've had a bunch of debates about that. I know Luke over at Xbox Expansion Pass, like he's got like 80 hours in it. He loves it, but he mm -hmm. complains about it quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay, you know. Uh, yeah. I think I'm in the camp of, you know, no game is perfect. Uh, there's yeah. obvious things that could be better here and there in the game. Um, I don't agree with some of the criticisms. I agree with others. But yeah, just for me, it, it really took me back to a, a type of game where 
it, it's this masterful open world with ridiculous yeah. amount of things. Like I kept telling people, even once you're 50, 60 hours in, you still haven't come anywhere close to seeing the breadth mm -hmm. of this game. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of the ways it does that when you look at the world map is the world map expands, not just the fragments you find, but the actual yeah. square where the map is expands and expands and expands and it gets bigger. <laughs> yeah. and, bigger. and and so I think it just it does this open world design incredibly well and it allows the player kind of, um, uh, you know, a sense of discovery and exploration mm -hmm. and kind of mystery that so many games don't. It was yeah. I, you've played uh, Forbidden West quite a bit, too, right? Yeah, I finished it. Yeah. OK, perfect. So, yeah. My problem is I got Forbidden West, but I got the Elden Ring code like mm -hmm. a couple of days before Forbidden West came out. And so as excited as I was for Forbidden West, I couldn't play it. I was stuck, not stuck, but I was <laughs> reviewing Elden Ring. And yeah. so by the time I've gotten to Forbidden West now, I have over 200 hours in Elden Ring, like I said. And for and mm -hmm. Forbidden West is pretty much the polar opposite in terms of game design yeah. from a from an accessibility standpoint. It it has like a 10 hour tutorial section yeah it holds your hand it really holds your hand and you have the question marks on the map and everything <laughs> aloy never stops talking and telling you what to yep. do and like it, it's actually annoying me it's like i'm playing it and i'm like can you please be quiet and just let me play the game um and you can't turn that off either you can't do anything about her speech or her direction it, it's part yeah. of the game and so it's it's this weird dichotomy of just I think it's player preference, right? Either you really like mm -hmm. kind of the guided open world experience, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Or I, I tend to say old school because it's more like the games I grew up with and I'm old. Mm -hmm. um, Elden Ring is just like it throws you into the world and says, figure it out. Figure it out. Um, yeah. And, and I think and this I, is something that the game does really well, that the, the way how they built the open world, you can really tell after like 10 15 hours i learned to read the world so you start to see okay this is, might be an interesting path but the game really doesn't tell you properly but you yep. still kind of feel like okay there could be something over there or there yep. and the way how they set up this world and how you discover certain things is that is something that is really well done yeah yeah, yeah that's my favorite part about it and um yeah. You know, it's there's a lot of customization too. There's, you know, I think in my inventory on my late game now, I have like over a hundred weapons. There's mm. different builds you can do with all damn near all of them, right? There's just a lot of different ways to play this game, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I won't take up any more time on it. I just love it to death. There's a lot I could go <laughs> on, but I do completely agree that it's not perfect, and yeah. some of the FromSoft fans need to calm down. Okay, like it's okay, <laughs> it's okay to have some criticisms about the game and still love mm. it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was, I actually, I, I did something I usually never do, and that is not reply to DMs because I got 120 DMs on one single tweet where I said I had a love hate relationship, and I, wow. I read that tweet like 20 times, and I couldn't read anything really negative into into this tweet. And from I, those saw, I saw your tweet. I, I read it and moved on. Like, I didn't yeah. think you said anything terrible. Yeah. And I had like from these 120, I had like 20 positive ones where people just recommended me a certain tutorial or a video or, or yeah. gave gave advice, which which I really appreciate. But then the other hundreds were like stuff you would just oh, don't want to read. So I just delete, delete, delete. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was insane. I've never experienced something like this. Um, yeah, but let's move on from uh, Elden Ring. <laughs> um, it is a great game, and I, I'm definitely going to continue this. I have also been pl uh, playing um, Shredders today. I started oh, nice. that, played 
like one and a half, two hours today. So, okay. but I think we will t discuss this a little bit later when we talk about the ID at Xbox event. Okay. And when we uh, and before we move to the to the news, I want to say a thank you to Drawn to Che who sends in the first super chat of the day, and he says, "Hey guys, what's up, Boxenberger? What's up, Drawn to Che? Dude, we need to play H four again. Um, <laughs> last weekend we played H four a match, and uh, it was awesome. We have to do this again. Talk about Halo four." H H of Empires four. Oh H four. I thought you said H four. Um, no, you know, H, H, H of me. Empires four. Yeah, I turn everything you know, into Halo. Uh, my most played game of twenty twenty one. I have like my Steam account says I have two hundred and twenty hours now into the game. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I remember you saying you loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is an awesome game. I still play it twice a week. It's 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 fantastic. It's great. But yeah, so I really hope it uh, it comes to consoles because more people need to play this. As sure. It is fantastic. All right, Ains, let's move to the news. All right. So there have been quite a, some news this week, and I want to start with um, the Starfield news. Have you seen that dev diary that they uploaded yesterday? I so, did. before we talk about some of the things they said in the, this one, where's your hype level for for Starfield? <laughs> this has been a weird discussion lately with people, hasn't it? Because it's like yeah. some people are super hyped, and then other people are like, "Why are you hyped?" And it's like, yeah. like you need to define your your hype. But um, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of like uh, above average, but not over the moon, if that makes sense. Um, I I love the what I would call the proper Bethesda Game Studio titles, which is the huge open world RPGs, right? Skyrim, yeah. fantastic. I, Morrowind, one of my favorites of all time. Again, going back to the throw yeah. you in the world and do whatever the heck you yeah, want. Yeah, that was a different one. <laughs> yes, very different. Uh, Oblivion I really enjoyed, and it was a technical mm -hmm. marvel at the time of yeah. release. Uh, but I, there were some criticisms I had of Oblivion. But regardless, um, I really love you know, the proper Bethesda big open world RPG. And I, I think a lot of people keep saying we haven't seen a lot of gameplay, and that's fair. Um, but it's also fair, too, to understand the talent of this team, the expectations for it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, knowing that this game was kind of so big and has so much potential, uh, we know of the history of, you know, PlayStation trying to secure timed exclusivity for this game. Mm -hmm. Xbox, of course, doing the Bethesda deal and getting full exclusivity. Um, so obviously there's a reason why this game is being uh, sought after by the publishers in the industry, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And I think I think it's going to be excellent. I My biggest hope, of course, as with any huge game from Bethesda like this, is that I just hope it launches in a good state uh, and we don't get a, a buggy release. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the rumors have been out there that the game was more or less than end of last year. Yes. Yep. So that they had basically one year just to polish the entire game up. But on the other hand, if you remember any of the previous Bethesda <laughs> big open world games in the state they <laughs> released in, um, yeah, we we shall see. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for them. Um, the Elder Scrolls series is probably my favorite game series of all time, along with the Arkham series. Um, okay. I... I really love Elder Scrolls. Like you said, Morrowind, um, that was an amazing experience. Um, I played hundreds of hours uh, of that game on the actually OG Xbox. Me too. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Oblivion, fantastic. And Skyrim. 
I don't know how many times I bought Skyrim. I bought it on everything <laughs> I have. <laughs> and I even have like more than 100 hours on Skyrim on the Switch version. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah it's... I, I'm I'm really a fan of that. And so when Todd Howard said this is basically Skyrim in space and that they have been uh, dreaming of making this game uh, for, yeah, more than uh, 15 years now, uh, that is something that just gave me goosebumps and I no can't doubt. wait. Yeah. So yesterday yeah. they talked a bit about um, what they wanted to build with that uh, universe. Uh, they said stuff like, and I just quote a couple of, uh, of things that they uh, said in the dev uh, interview now. The universe should feel like you actually live in and not just play it in, in mm -hmm. the universe. Yeah, the tech that they will be using is um, based on photogrammetry and they have a complete new technology for scanning new persons and characters. Um, that's something uh, cool. They have different factions and you can actually start with different factions on different planets. There will be different pirates that you can side with or not. Um, they will have companions in the game, which is a first for for Elders or for for Bethesda mm -hmm. game. Um, and that, and we saw probably the first glimpse of uh, in-game footage, which is was that little robot dude mm -hmm. that that companion. Um, yeah, and they said that they completely reworked their um, dialogue system, where they had have something new. Um, in order for you to be able to persuade um, other NPCs that they feel more like actual human beings that you talk to. So, yeah. What do you make of this? Um, <laughs> they're saying all the right things. a little bit, the. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're saying all the right things, right? Which is yeah. what you expect them to do. Uh, I really liked, um, you know, you mentioned the engine there and the kind of the technology mm -hmm. they're using. And for those who may be unaware, this is the first major upgrade to their game creation engine since Oblivion, yeah. which was 2005 or six, five, six. Um, but uh, so it's it's been a long time coming. And I think one of the biggest criticisms, despite the launch issues of Fallout 76, was that is that the engine and the game kind of felt dated right in the way it looked and felt. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, this is very promising that this is going to be a next or current gen now and PC yeah. game only on this new engine. So there's a lot of promise from the technical side. Um, I love the, the technical director. Sorry for jumping in oh, here really because, uh, because um, the technical director actually spoke in a previous dev diary a little bit about what they actually uh, changed in the engine. They completely changed the physics system. They used to uh, uh, use the Havoc physics engine, physics engine, and uh, they are not using that anymore. It's going to be a self-made physics engine. They have completely revamped the rendering pipeline. They threw all these um, shading technologies that are more than 15 years old now uh, and actually came from the Quake games. Yeah, They threw that out mm. and uh, they have a complete new system for textures that is kind of a little bit similar to what Unreal 5 is doing with Nanite. Um, so yeah, there's, 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 there's really a complete overhaul. Um, yeah. of all the technical issue uh, th uh, things yeah yeah it's it's really promising so um and then you know from a game design standpoint the biggest thing they talked about not this isn't going to shock you again but the biggest thing they talked about that got me excited was just freedom of discovery um yeah. you know you, you feeling like you live in the world one of my some of my favorite open world games whether it be elden ring witcher 3 red dead 2 right you when you're yeah. engrossed in those games you feel like you're in that world 
Um, and the best open world games do that, in my opinion. Um, and if if that's what Todd Howard is talking about here, and, and they can really produce that, you feel like you're in a space simulator and you can go to different planets and just explore and meet new people and do things dynamically, right? You're not scripted mm. to go here to here to here. You can just yeah. do it at free will. Then this game's going to land really, really high for me, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the beauty of, of video games, yeah, that you you are actually part of the story and you to some degree you've shaped the story and if a game can achieve that that you have that feeling that you actually influence the story the world your character yes. whatever that is that is the difference in between a movie that you watch or a book you read yeah because you actually yep. take part part in this and um yeah it sounds like they they have um have something cool coming there um they have has also been alongside with this a leak from a user named uh, Liquor. Um, so, <laughs> of course, we should always take these kind of things with a grain of salt, but apparently a lot of um, known insiders trust this guy. So, yeah, I he has actually spoiled a lot, also <laughs> along with the story, some story pieces. I will leave those out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't spoil any anything story or lore related. Um, we will find that out in the way that Bethesda intends to. But um, he talked about one thing that I find really interesting. And he says that, of course, you can go out in space and gravity is actually a big and important mechanic in Starfield. So the way how they handle gravity on different uh, planets, asteroids, or space station is apparently a uh, a core mechanic of the of the game. Um, you will be able to have different kind of ships for exploration, cargo, yeah. combat. So there is actually space stuff going on. I I love it. Um, they will apparently also have colony building. Um, so the mechanic from Fallout 4 is basically coming back, back uh, but uh, apparently a lot uh, of improvements have been made to that. Um, and procedural generation technology has been significantly enhanced. And um, according to him, you won't be able to tell uh, the difference in between procedural generated content uh, that uh, basically bridges the bigger cities on, on the planets Um and the the actually handcrafted stuff so what do you think of these <laughs> things if this comes <laughs> yeah so uh, should, should it be true yeah should these let's assume these are true right yeah. um procedural generation piece is interesting um i will say we've heard many times of games that'll have procedural generation that'll look and feel like uh you know look and feel like the rest of the game so if that you know we'll see That'll be proved when upon the game's release. I hope it's true, of course. Mm -hmm. um, the the building aspect from Fallout 4, the only thing I would say there, I know it was weird because I don't know about you, but Fallout 4, that was the one of the things I liked least about Fallout 4. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, like I, I have no interest in building yeah. camps towns and whatnot no yeah, man's an, style not in an rpg um i want to build my character i want to build <laughs> yeah my stats yes. but not not a not a yeah base or uh, whatever yeah i'm with you 100 so yeah. the idea of the ships and being able to buy different ships and cargo and npcs that's awesome let's do that base building no not so much but 
I do know other people who spent tens and tens of hours building it, right? So yeah. if that's the case, then I hope that's uh, I hope that uh, works as intended. But um, yeah, I mean, as long as the base building is not required in any sense, that I'm good. The mm -hmm. rest of what we're saying here, in terms of the ships, the character building, procedural generation, the NPC, it all sounds excellent. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. Um, I think we will see that game soon at E3, there's no doubt, or whatever the, the June showcase will be. And there he is gone. So uh, Ainsley had a few technical issues up front. Ah, there he is again. Yeah, I sorry. I you back? <laughs> camera would have frozen. Yeah didn't realize and so i hit refresh and it kicked me out of the show i'm sorry no problem no problem i've been there man i've been there with technical <laughs> issues during live podcasts good it's, god it just happens it just happens <laughs> i just wanted to use that little break here to read uh two super chats that came in both actually from john tj the first he says yeah let's play uh, h4 yeah we will do that man um Let's let's talk in the DMs and make uh, another uh, date. And the other one also comes in and he say, asks, um, I got to ask, when do you think Elder Scrolls 6 is coming out? And do you think we see State of Decay 3 this E3 with Forza also? Let's talk about Elder Scrolls 6 first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you would have asked me that... A month ago, I would have said, ah, not before 27. If this, if if we get uh, Starfield this year, they need another five years to make Elder Scrolls. <laughs> But uh, Todd Howard recently had a very interesting interview, and he said something that that stuck with me. And he says, said that they can spend years in prototyping a game, but when they actually start to build out a game. They only need one to max two years to finish the game. I find that super fast. I have, did not expect that, but that's what Todd Howard said. And so we know that they have been working on prototypes and ideas for Elder Scrolls for a while now. And if they move over to full production after Starfield, I could see that game come out in two years. So 24, maybe 25. What do you think, Ains? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely going to be a few years yet. Um, yeah. And there's obviously, you know, when you're talking about uh, prototyping, you're talking about engine development, there's parallels and crossovers when you're building other games. So I'm sure there's a lot of work they've put in the Starfield that will also obviously go into Elder Scrolls Six. So really, um, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of crossover there. I, I, I definitely think we'll probably see it late this generation or, or you know, kind of on the tail end of whenever these next platforms come out. So, yeah, I, I would say probably 25 would be yeah. the way should probably see it. Probably. Um, it's, it's crazy if you think about the success of Skyrim, <laughs> that they take so long to make a successor. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 14 he's, years if it's 25, right? Wasn't Skyrim yeah. 11, which is nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, Grand Theft Auto 6, you know, same thing. True, true. <laughs> crazy, crazy time <laughs> schedules they have. Um, what do you think about State of Decay 3 and Forza at E3 this year? Forza, I can definitely see. Uh, yeah. In fact, I can see Forza releasing later this year. Um, yeah, I would be surprised if it's not, to be honest. 
Yeah, when I I reviewed uh, Hor- uh, Horza, <laughs> Forza Horizon <laughs> Five, uh, and I was fortunate to get into a developer play session where I then met someone who was part of a test group for Forza. Mm-hmm. So they play everything ahead of time. And uh, obviously, he can't share a lot of details, um, but he did tell me he's already played Forza Motorsport. Uh, he told, you know, talked about kind of these new physics engines with tire modeling and weather modeling and these things. And, you know, the, the little bit that he did share with me was very impressive. So I have to imagine if the, and remember, that was back in October. So, yeah, if if people are already playing it late last year, I definitely think we're going to see Forza at E3 or whatever Xbox show we get. It may release later this year. If it doesn't, I could see it early next year, but I don't think it's super far away. Um, State of Decay 3 is an interesting one because I, I truly believe that um, they are going to spend more time on development here with State of Decay 3 mm-hmm. to really bring it up to what we would consider a AAA experience, right? So yeah, I, I think that it's just a guess. I don't have any information on State of Decay 3, but my guess would be that they're going to take a little more time on this. Uh, that one will probably be a little further out, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's been four years now in 2018 since they released State of Decay 2, but they have been really supporting State of Decay 2. Yeah. Um, there's barely a game out there that got so many updates and not just content wise, they also revamped everything from animation to uh, uh, texture work to, to a couple of engine stuff. This is really impressive how they have supported that game. Yeah. Um, I would also have guessed the same. Uh, that it's probably a little bit further out but then we had th- that phil spencer comment recently on the xbox era podcast uh where he me- particularly mentioned along with starfield um state of tk3 as one of his most anticipated games so yeah who knows maybe we get a surprise announcement for <laughs> early 2023 or something um we shall see <laughs> man let's move over uh, while we are on Xbox, um, let me just take a brief note for the, you know, for the for, for the YouTube uh, timestamps later. <laughs> um, we can move on to ID at Xbox. Um, they had a showcase yesterday on Twitch. Did you watch that by any chance? I've only caught a piece of it so far. It's one of those mm. things I need to catch up on. Um, yeah, so midweek for me, midday. Is <laughs> so I, I was like last year. Did you th- see that thing last year? I try to forget it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't watch it live. Uh, um, I watched. I, I went to the movies yesterday instead. So nice. I watched the new Batman, and uh, that was probably Sweet. the better choice. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, uh, the. The thing is, uh, I, of course, skipped through it uh, earlier and um, I watched some of the highlights and some of the trailers because what I do like is to see some great indie games. I mm-hmm. love what they what they do with the ID at Xbox program and um, some of the best gaming experiences of 2021 were indie games for me. So um, like a Death Store or The Ascent um, or Song of Iron. I love these games. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I wanted to see what they had announced, but I didn't want to hear that um, uh, that those Twitch girls uh, talk about uh, mm-hmm. stuff for 20 minutes to see a two-minute trailer. Um, I tried to, to pick out some of the, the big uh, highlights. The first two things are, of course, um, 
the announcement that Tunic is, came out and yep. immediately dropped into Game Pass, which is great. I already downloaded it. And the same goes, of course, for Shredders. Um, that game also came out. And maybe I just briefly switch over to some Shredders gameplay because I played it earlier. Are you interested in any of these games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started playing Tunic last night. I played a little bit this morning when I got up. Uh, only maybe wow, nice. 45 minutes or so, uh, you know, briefly. Um, okay, I don't know what <laughs> what's happening now. Uh, <laughs> something weird is happening. Uh, let me remove that real quick. <laughs> That's... That's weird. Okay, let me. They're messing with us today. Try once more. Okay, there we go. Okay. Um, so Tunic's pretty cool so far. I know it got really it rated. It got rated very well. So I'm looking forward to uh, put more time into that. Shredders, I'm interested in. I uh, I know Luke was uh, over at Xbox Expansion Pass was pay- playing that for a review ahead of time, and um, he said, uh, you know, it's fun, but it uh, you know it's a little rough around the edges. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I love these snowboarding type games. They can be really fun, but I haven't tried it yet, but I want to. Um, Trek to Yomi is one I'm really interested in. Oh, uh, the, uh, you know, 2D martial art kind of black and white mm-hmm. one. I thought that looked really cool. Too. That looked so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And then there's another one from, um, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the developer's name now, but uh, the Flintlock, the Siege of Dawn. Oh, the Flintlock. Developer, yeah. They, they, they made a four. Yeah. Yeah. They made Ashen. Yes. The makers and, of Ashen, yes. Yeah, and I really enjoyed Ashen. You know, I'm, again, I'm a Souls guy, right? So I really enjoyed yeah. Ashen, which is what it, <laughs> you know, it's one of those games. Um, and uh, I did a full playthrough of that. And um, yeah, this is like an open world action RPG. So it's, it looks a lot more ambitious than Ashen. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, if it if it's uh, well developed, it should be really good. So quite a quite yeah. a a few little uh, interesting games here. Yeah. For me it was also Vault Breakers. It's this twin stick shooter type of game that really looked cool. Um then um Sam and Max Save the World uh got get a remaster. I don't know whether you have ever played it. I haven't that. played it. No. If you have if you enjoy Psychonauts, I recommend this one too. It has a great sense of humor as well and yeah, uh that's a cool one. Uh, like your frontier, um, reminded me a little bit of the gunk. Um, okay. it had this calm feeling to it. Um, yeah, so there were, were quite a few uh, interesting uh, looking ones. And the one, of course, that you see me here try to play is Shredders. Um, <laughs> I would fully agree here with Luke, it is a little rough around the edges. I had the game, I played for one and a half or two hours, maybe, and um. This is some of the very early footage uh, because uh, the game is actually quite difficult to handle or at least in my brain because you basically steer with the left stick and then you have like uh, you have to do the combinations with the right stick and in combination with the bumpers and this is uh, it it, it takes time to get used to it Um, (laughs) how to do certain tricks and flips and stuff (laughs) I gotcha but uh, but it is a fun game Um, overall um but yeah like a little rough around the edges i'm still gonna play more <laughs> i keep watching i keep watching yeah, yeah. this oh and it's just cracking me up 
yeah, you have to jump through the. Oh, that's actually the task of this challenge, and uh, it take it took me forever <laughs> to to get that right. But I will eventually get it. I will eventually get it. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it. it the way how this game works is a little bit remind right reminded me of uh, Forza Horizon in the sense of you have this big op open world and then you just go to certain events and you can start them from there and that's kind of cool. Okay. That is cool. Um, yeah, and then there you have different challenges like this one here, jump through the O. So now I did it, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, or you have races or you have stunt tricks to do, and yeah, it's a fun game. Uh, Definitely recommend to check it out since it's in Game Pass. Uh, it doesn't yeah. hurt. There was one thing that was really interesting in, at the Xbox, ID at Xbox event, and that was an uh, interview with Sarah Bond. She came on. Okay. And she said a couple of things, of course, about the, well, um, importance of, of uh, indie games and, and stuff like that. Um, but um, she also mentioned something um about their new efforts for the idea at xbox program that it's going to be way easier for indie devs to uh, get help from the idea at xbox team and that was kind of new to me um i didn't know that uh, xbox now gives uh, out two dev kits to the indie developers so you can uh, whenever you make a game you can apply there and uh, if the game fulfills certain basic standards like non-discrimination uh, stuff or whatever um, you actually get two dev kits um, mm -hmm. um, and, and a team or a contact person at ID at Xbox that will help you to use um, uh, the GDK um, of, of Xbox and I found yeah. that really interesting because um, I bet that this costs them a lot of money uh, yeah. and I don't know whether they can recoup that with every ID at Xbox game, but um, that is definitely something interesting. Um, what do you make of this? Yeah, I, I think it's great. I think um, there's game development has never been broader, right? There's there's yeah. more people developing games than there ever have been. And, and that's continuing to grow, especially in uh, new markets, right? So if you look at the growth of game development and the sheer number of uh either studios or kind of developer count across places like South Korea and China and, you know, a bunch of different um, other nations. Uh, it, it's really interesting. So I think that I think that as much as the big publishers, whether it be Xbox, PlayStation, you know, I have no idea how Nintendo handles this stuff. I don't think they, they do. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, yeah. PC companies, Epic, you know, whoever it may be, the more that they can support new developers young developers small developers uh the more we you know sure there's going to be some loss there's going to be some sunk cost there right that you're not going to recoup mm -hmm. but you're also going to find some gems once in a while like uh one yeah. i always refer to as salt and sanctuary which is a mm -hmm. cool little 2d rpg really you know did really extremely well it was made by a couple you know a husband and a wife their first yeah. game um and now they have their sequel coming out later this year and uh you know, I think there's instances like that you need to point to that say, like, look, uh, Tunic was made by one guy. You know one guy, I mean? yeah. Yeah. So Last year it, we had Song of Iron, also a great Song game that I really enjoyed. One, one yeah. guy made exactly. this. Exactly. So the, the yeah. more you can kind of support that as a bigger company, I mean, let's be honest, Microsoft's not hurting for cash. Um, yeah. You know, if you can support the development <laughs> and, and once in a while it, yeah. it, it results in something really cool coming to your platform, then it, it's probably worth it.
yeah i agree f fully there so i hope that they continue to to put the effort into the id at xbox program i do hope that they change the way how they present these id at xbox showcases make it more streamlined and remove the twitch thing from yeah. from it um uh, other than that uh, i do hope that they will continue to to uh, highlight the indie games as well yeah yeah i really i don't i don't see why like like we, I think most of us agree that their E3 or summer, whatever you want to call it, presentation yeah. last year was phenomenal. Like it was. Yes, excellent. absolutely. Um, what, I don't know why for the ID at Xbox ones, they don't do something more like a direct or a state of play where it's 20 yeah. minutes, 30 minutes, trailers, a, a few quips here and there and just make it efficient. I don't know why we need yeah. this two hour with talking and all this stuff. It's just it doesn't catch people. I agree. I agree. And I have not seen anyone say something positive about the way how they <laughs> present it. Everyone says, I love the games. And I've like this one, this one looked interesting, whatever. But no one says, hey, this is a great showcase how they put it together. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, we shall see if they change that in the future. <laughs> uh, I, I want to bring up uh, another Xbox related topic uh, as well. Um, and that was uh, something, yeah, you know, the clickbait sites um, made this out probably bigger than it is. Um, but it's about the initiative. Have you seen yeah. that story? Yeah. Um, just to bring everyone up to speed, um, according uh to two different reports um half of the core development team have quit in the past year um that includes most of the initiative senior design team including the game director dan newburger the design director drew murray the lead level designer chris o'neill the principal world builder Ch Cholion myers or so um, um multiple system designers um three former god of war designers left the studio and many many more so yeah you know clickbait sites made articles the initiative is doomed um and uh, perfect dark uh is, is in development hell and others uh, had a little bit more reasonable um approach to this uh <laughs> xbox fans of course defended this immediately what do you think is really going on over there and what is happening yeah, it's it's tough, man. I mean, any situation like this, it's going to just be pure speculation, right? That's what we're yeah. dealing with because none of us truly know. Um, I, my opinion is just, you know, having covered this industry for a very long time now and stuff, when you see things like this, like we often see big names depart studios, and that's pretty standard for certain things. In this case, it definitely seems a bit more extreme, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it definitely seems strange uh, with the whole Crystal Dynamics aspect to it, right? Like, we yeah. we don't truly know. You don't typically, typically, you don't develop a studio, hire all top-tier talent, and then bring in an existing studio to build a game. That's just very yeah. odd. Um, so I, it, it's really strange that this is going on. I, I think I would add the caveat of, look, at the end of the day, all of us are speculating. We don't mm -hmm. know what's going on. And we have no idea how Perfect Dark is going to turn out, good or bad. Um, yeah. Obviously, many of us, or I would say most of us, want Perfect Dark to be amazing. It still could. There's nothing stopping it from still being amazing. Yes. Um, but there is definitely some a feeling of where there's smoke, there's fire here. Um, that so much top tier talent have decided to leave that studio. Um, mm -hmm. If you know, you know as well as I do from uh, you know kind of corporate experience that to attract top tier talent and to recruit them and train them and onboard them. It's not cheap. 
Yeah. Uh, you spend a lot of money and time doing this. And yes. for the people who are trying to be overly defensive about this, I promise you <laughs> the plan was not to hire all this, all these people and get rid of them a year later or two years mm -hmm. later. That That's not the yeah. plan. Um, so something is definitely a miss. What that means at the end of the day for Perfect Dark, time will tell. That's all I can really say. That's that's very true. And I think we should keep that in mind. I'm with you. It's not normal for a studio to have a turnover rate of 50% in one year. Um, that's not normal for any industry. Uh, actually, uh, I I was on a on a um, management uh, uh, training a couple of years ago, and I remembered something when I read this headline. The industry with the highest turnover rate is apparently the logistics industry, yeah, because mm -hmm. truck drivers and stuff they. Sure. Change jobs frequently, and they have a turnover rate of twenty to twenty-five percent, depending on the region in the world. Mm -hmm. So, fifty percent in one year definitely isn't normal. But I have a theory, and um, that there are actually two things going on. Because the first thing is they have been very open about the idea of the initiative, and they always said they want to stay small and agile, and yep. um, that they then want to hire, that they are basically making concepts and prototypes for a game idea, and then they hire contractors and stuff uh, out, uh, and they, they hire contractors uh, uh, and people to build the rest of the game out. We know that now that this has been done with, um, of course, Crystal Dynamics. Yeah, They came on board. They have probably also a couple of other um, um, contractors working on the game as well. And here's the thing. If you are a highly talented game developer with a, with a great resume and want to be a creative person, you don't want to be the guy who manages other studios and other contractors. And that's what it came, comes down to. If you have a very small studio and then you hire a big team outside, someone has to manage them. And I, I'm not sure. This is just me speculating. Like you said, we know nothing. But I could see this happening. And the other thing is, when you look at that list of talent that they hire, those are all alpha dogs. And if if, if it's anything remotely to what my company is like <laughs> that I work <laughs> for, if you have like 10 alpha dogs in the room, nine have to go. Because in the end, only uh, one alpha dog will be in the room. And if you hire all these lead designers from God of War, from Rockstar, from Rocksteady, from Insomniac, and so on, you will run eventually in in the question, into, into personal conflicts, who runs the show? Um, so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, there, are, there could be multiple reasons uh, as to why these people leave. Um, does this mean that Perfect Dark uh, is in danger? Not necessarily. Crystal is a very talented studio. They have done an amazing job with the Tomb Raider franchise. They have done, well, uh, not the best job, of course, with the Avengers, but um, <laughs> also not the worst job. This game wasn't that bad. It, it's more like they handled uh, the the um, end game content. Um, but yeah, um, so I think, I, I think sorry to jump in. I was yeah, say, I think sure. your point about kind of the alpha stuff is is relevant here too. Is that yeah. um, there are you know one of the things that kind of comes up a lot of times in the in the gaming discourse or community is this company just bought or hired X, Y, and Z, their next game is going to be incredible. And it's yeah. like, well, th th that's not always true, right? Like, it, think of, I always do the analogy of a sports team, right? It's like a sports team can go out and spend 
unlimited cash on the best players in the league and throw them all on a team. And sometimes that works great and they win a championship. Other times the team falls apart and they're terrible. Um, you know, there, there's a level of team commitment and synergy and all these things that go into creating a, a good development team, just like a sports team or any other job team, you know, that you're in. And so this could just be a situation to your point where, yeah, they, they were quick about getting talent, talent, talent. But when they put them all in a room to work together, it just it was oil and water. You know, yeah. that can certainly happen. Yeah. Um, so, again, we don't know. Uh, but that could be a situation that occurred as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, let's hope that we will see the game this year. There have been these rumors that it will be shown at, at the E3 event. And um would be cool to see what, what Perfect Dark actually will be. And... Moving on from Perfect Dark, let's go back in time a little bit. Did you play the original <laughs> Perfect Dark? Perfect Dark, of course, yeah. Yeah. Still have, did you play GoldenEye? Yeah. I, me too. Oh, GoldenEye, still have my original copy as well. Awesome, awesome. Uh, There have been a couple of news about GoldenEye this week as well. <laughs> um, so uh, let me briefly pull up my notes here uh, to get this right. <laughs> GoldenEye, uh, the software trademark, has been renewed by Dunjak LLC. That's the holding company that owns um, basically all these uh, James Bond-related trademarks. Um, in January, we had the leak uh, with the achievements for an apparent remaster and... Mm. 2022 is marks the 60th anniversary of the James Bond franchise. So the question is out there again. Will a <laughs> remake actually happen? What do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I joked about where there's smoke, there's fire just with the, the uh, initiative thing. And I, I think that's probably true of the GoldenEye thing. I think, yeah, we probably see it. Uh, it probably finally comes out. We've heard, you know, there's been rumors of this thing forever. forever um, yeah. And footage back from the 360, I think it was. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we finally see it. The only thing I would say, like, this is going to be a great nostalgic trip. You know, if it does come out, I'll, I'll probably buy it. I'll probably play through it and enjoy it. But as I always caution people with these classic games that we grew up with, that we have such fond memories of, especially early 3D games. Um, yeah. Be careful what you wish for, because oh, yeah. this game, when you play it today, uh, is not uh, from a design perspective, is not what you expect of a modern game. I uh, I sat my son down to play Perfect Dark multiplayer um, mm -hmm. like three, four years ago, just for fun. We hooked up the N64, turned it on. We didn't last 10 minutes. It, it was like <laughs> it this. Is Terror. Yeah, I did that with with Goldeneye. Actually, <laughs> uh, I wanted to play that again. And it's not just um, the level designs and everything; the controls they feel terrible. so <laughs> terrible and everything. Um, I put up a, to a poll in in chat. Uh, let us know um, what do you think? Will we see a Golden Eye remaster uh, or re remake this year? Um, I want to want to hear your speculations as well, guys, in chat. And um, yeah, but I'm I'm with you. Um, I would love to have a proper remake. Um, yeah. yeah, if you really remake that game with modern days controls, maybe change a few things in in the way how they set up the levels and everything. Yes, I would be down for this. Yeah, like me the, too. Get the mafia treating. Yeah, I don't know whether you played the rough mafia yeah. re remake. That yeah. was fantastic. It was good. Um, Very good. 
Exactly. And we I want this kind of treatment. Um, just uh, in, an increase in resolution or uh, frame rates would probably not do it. Um, I'm with you there. These, <laughs> these early 3D games, they sometimes don't age that well. No, no. Have you gone back at any time recently and played, tried to play a PS1 game? Like, oof. <laughs> yeah, I actually did that. Um, with uh, uh, I don't have my PS One anymore. I, in, for some reason, in my early twenties, I needed. I was young and needed the money, and I sold all my consoles I had at that point in time. And to this day, I regret this. But um, a friend of mine still has his PlayStation One, and when the Tony Hawk remaster came out last year we actually yeah. tried to play the original one <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah unplayable unplayable yeah <laughs> yeah uh, definitely so yeah and the chat uh, let us see here what the chat says um we have already a couple of votes in 55 percent say uh, think we will see this this year uh others 45 uh, say no we won't see this yeah um it could be a great um like a surprise drop at at the uh, showcase or whatever it will we will have in june yeah. july whenever that would be a really, be a cool thing so I, I'm just going to close this poll for now and want to move over to when, while we are at showcase uh, things, um, I want to talk with you a little bit about third party, um, third party um, showcases in 2022. Okay. Of course, we will get later a, a state of play, uh, an entire state of play organized by Sony for a third party game, <laughs> Hogwarts Legacy. Um Interesting. Yep. I thought that was really interesting that they really make a dedicated showcase uh, or show um, yeah. for one third-party game. Then we had the news this week that um, EA is not having their EA Play Live event this year. Right. So that got me thinking. Um, when we remember the classic E3s, what third-party events did we have? We had Bethesda. Obviously, that's yep. gone now. Yeah, we have of had of course EA. Uh, so they have been they they actually moved out of E3 a couple of years ago of yeah. three four well, years ago quite a few, but they always yeah. had they yeah they had that event during E3 week so if you don't attend there it's it was the same so yeah I, <laughs> um, I went to it in 2018 2019 so it's been at least yeah. four and they didn't have it the past two years or this year and last year so yeah, yeah it's been at least four or five years yeah, yeah. so the only other one that came to mind that is, uh, is probably the Ubisoft showcase Ubisoft. that is left. And um, we know how those went over the last two years. So what do you think? Um, <laughs> will third-party developers move away from having their own um, bigger showcases at an E3 or something similar and make more these state-of-play things like we get later that they partner with one of the bigger other publishers or platform holders or have their own um, events like they had last year from Square Enix with um, with the Guardians of the Galaxy reveal where they had that 20-minute show piece um, for Guardians. Um, what do you think? Where, where will the industry go there? Yeah, I think... 
it's weird, man. They they don't seem to know what the hell they're doing, do they? <laughs> <laughs> it's, that it, that is a great summary. That is a great summary. <laughs> it, it, it's very strange, especially I think to us as we sit here being the consumers of this of these shows, because it's we're pretty explicit about what we expect out of these shows, yeah. right? Like it's very clear when there's a good. We just talked about Xboxes last year, and mm -hmm. Many of us have been pretty critical of Xbox in the past and, you know, uh, of like, you're not you're not doing what we really want of an E3 style show. And last year they just crushed it. It was per it was awesome. That's what I want and expect from a big publisher show. But my point being is like you see all the fans saying this, you kind of you see all the sites doing the media coverage of the shows, whether they're good or bad. Like, it's very strange to me that there's such a disconnect between the people managing, producing these shows at these third party publishers and yeah. what fans actually want, because it's not even that it doesn't even seem that complicated. Not yeah. that creating the show, it takes a ton of time and work and effort. I understand that. But like the format is pretty clear as to what yeah. people like. So it's it's very strange to just see these companies still not get it, generally speaking. Um, mm -hmm. Ubisoft is very, um, I think Ubisoft generally does an okay show if you like their content. There's yeah. people that kind of like one or two games from them. And so a whole show about their entire catalog is usually pretty boring. Um, <laughs> Square Enix is, they're all over the damn place. I, I don't know what Square Enix is doing from one moment mm -hmm. to the next, honestly. Um and I think Xbox will have a, a great show. I, I presume that Sony and, and PlayStation are going to have a big show. But I guess your original question is, do we still see these shows from the companies or do they start to partner with bigger companies? I, yeah. I think to your point, we, we get a handful. Um, you know, if EA is one of the biggest publishers in the world. Uh, I think yeah. one of the top three. And if they're not doing a show, that's kind of crazy to begin with. You know, it's like, what what are you guys doing over there, first of all? Um, and then with Activision, you know, um, they've almost all their studios are Call of Duty at the moment anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Blizzard is another company where they have thousands and thousands of employees and huge IPs. Yeah. But they don't seem to manage them very well either. So uh, in terms of showcasing and getting, you yes. know, for the fans. So it's it's very confusing <laughs> i yes I, it I, is. I, don't, I don't really know what to expect anymore i don't even have a, a guess as to what mm. we're going to get this summer i really don't yeah it's it's really weird and it's not that far away i mean we no. are talking here about three months yeah and usually they would pretty much three. have to be almost done like the yeah. design of the show by now because exactly. they would do it, test runs by april yeah absolutely absolutely and uh, you have to get all the the um, yeah, the layout for the show, everything together, and yeah, it's weird. Um, EA said that they have a lot of uh, stuff to announce for this year, and that they will talk about uh, each of these games um, when the time is right. It kind of sounded to me like they are giving these games individual Mm. shows maybe smaller events like oh tomorrow we are going to re uh, reveal the new jedi fallen order and we have a 20 minute show something like that um maybe they all partner uh, or or send us things into events from jeff Keeley or gamescom maybe they move over there since e3 really isn't doing anything that could also happen because we know that these shows will actually take place um, the summer game fest from Jeff Keighley is, is going to uh, 
go live in June and Gamescom has announced that they will do actually an on-site event this year again. Excellent. So yes. Yes. I have to check with my wife still uh, <laughs> if I can go because it is in the middle of the summer break from from our kids and actually uh, the family vacation was planned in that week. So oh, I have to kind of move things around there. Uh, <laughs> but it would be I, I would be really uh, it would be sad if I missed this um, after two years uh, <laughs> not being yeah. there. So yeah, uh, we shall see. Um, I, I just th think it's weird if we look at the third-party release schedule this year. We have so many big games coming out. Of course, we have all these Warner Brothers games like um, Hogwarts Legacy, Gotham Knights, Suicide Squad is coming out. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. um, Like you said, uh, Activision has its yearly Call of Duty and, and EA has, of course, their things coming out. There's so much content from third-party uh, developers coming and... Um, we have no idea when we will see those games or when they will release. It's it's yeah. kind of strange to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I I don't know if it because of COVID and kind of the change in how these a lot of these games are being developed nowadays. I don't know if yeah. they just they're just much more cautious, right, around showing bad footage, early footage, or an early release date. Um, that's yeah. what it kind of feels like. And uh, still, some companies are doing that and then moving it. But I think generally speaking. Um, you know, they're a little more cautious in that sense. So I yeah. I don't know. I, I still think like, you know, we, we talked about uh, like a 20 minute show for a triple A game. And I think those can be a lot of fun if the mm -hmm. game warrants it. Of course, we're talking about big games, um, but there's still no reason, in my opinion, why you don't do something like Xbox does or PlayStation has in the past or. Yes, you know, we've seen it. I mean, PlayStation has done a great event last year, too. Um, it was when was it in September or October? It was a little, a little bit later, later in yeah. the year. Yeah. yeah, but uh, they have announced the Wolverine game, Spider-Man 2. They've shown God of War gameplay that was actually not a bad showcase last year. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And that's the point, right? It's like you don't have to do deep dives during these shows. You're no. just there to show the catalog that's coming to your platform and to get fans hyped. Yeah. That's it. Um, and it's Ooh. kind of a fun moment for those companies. I, I don't I don't see what... I know this probably sounds arrogant sitting here from my desk, but I don't see why that is so challenging to do. Do yeah. you know what I mean? No, like, I, <laughs> I'm with you because, like you said, the format is clear. Everyone should know what gamers like and what kind of format in showcases they like. And then we still get some weird stuff from Square or Ubisoft and stuff. Yeah. So we shall see. Ubisoft is bringing up the Avatar game this year. Yeah, another big third-party game. Coming, yeah, that's uh, been in development forever, forever, and yeah, of course it makes sense to release that along with the movie. So, yeah, yeah, and I wanna <laughs> wanna <laughs> Yeah, true, <laughs> true that. Yeah. Um, I wanna move over to the last news uh, um, piece of the week, and that is actually tech-related. And I always like to talk tech with you. And that is that uh, di the direct storage API um, that is used and was uh, also in the um, Xbox Series consoles is now available on PC. Um, they have announced that actually last year that it is coming and is now fully available and um, it's highly recommended to use it under Windows 11 because um, of the DirectX 12 Ultimate support. Yeah. So... Um, 
that means basically, um, you could phrase it simple, uh, PC is getting the Xbox tech for uh, how to to use and leverage SSDs uh, in, in the system. Correct, yeah. What do you make of this? You think this is a good thing? Uh, yeah. Is this... I, yeah. I, I I think so too, and I have a very particular reason for it, but I want to hear your thoughts okay. first. Okay. Um, yeah, so funny enough, um, so there, there's a guy that writes for Season Gaming uh, named Carl Dwyer. He's in the tech yeah, industry. He's awesome. He's, he's incredibly knowledgeable. I mean, yeah. puts most, well, not most people on Twitter, 99.9% .9 of people on Twitter to shame in, in kind of tech knowledge. So we actually started a show recently called For the Record, where he and I sit down to discuss things like this to basically break down the real details of what it means. Yeah. You see a lot of nonsense online, right? Um, direct storage is one we actually, him and I talked about a few weeks ago, and uh, I I'm not as well educated as him on it, but he, uh, you know, he pointed out how much of a benefit this is. And the key point here, as you said, is that DirectX uh, 12 ultimate is this suite of tools basically yeah. that encompasses is encompasses encompasses a a number of things that will really take what we're referring to as next gen game development to the next level and the the thing is is that people were misunderstanding that direct 12 direct jesus i can't speak today arch direct x 12 ultimate was like you know plug and play here it is it's ready to go and it's yeah. like no there's individual tool sets here there's individual functions and so every time we get another piece like direct storage, it's going to make things better for developers to better utilize the modern system. So the fact that Xbox development is so in tune with PC development, because to them, it doesn't matter where you game. This is going to make it easier for developers to really capitalize on storage solutions, as you said, and really kind of uh, take advantage of, uh, you know, uh, some of the things coinciding with like data asset streaming, utilizing the SSDs yeah. to their full potential, et cetera. So this is exciting because whether you play on PC or Xbox, this will have some downstream effect, positive effect for you. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just another thing that en enables developers to maximize, uh, you know, the tools that we're benefiting from. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. When I read this, um, just to for everyone to, to to bring it to the same baseline, what is it actually? Um, it is basically the way how the SSD is addressed and how decompression from the SSD works. So your data isn't stored on an SSD um, just in, in a raw format. It is always compressed. And of course, you have to decompress. And the direct storage API basically combines this decompression and the way how you address it and how you load um, or can load data from the SSD into your actual memory pool, the RAM. And um, that really speeds up a lot of things. Um, they, Depending on the use case, you can get an uh, apparently an, an increase in, in loading speed uh, uh, or let me rephrase that. It's not loading speed in addressing speed um, uh, um, of, of the memory pool of 2.4 uh, faster than if you don't use um, use um, direct storage. So this is a great thing. The reason why I'm particularly excited, though, is um, Xbox has uh, the direct storage API from the very beginning in their consoles. Uh, Series X and S are using this uh, this mechanic, and we have heard a lot of talk about the Series S 
especially holding game development back. And I've said this so many times that the Series S isn't holding anything back. Um, it's always the lowest common denominator. And in this case, this was always the PC because the minimum specs of your game on PC is what holds your game development back. If you have a, a game that doesn't um, have a, as a minimum requirement, for instance, an SSD, yeah, you can't um, use the... the the, the potential of an SSD in a game in your game design. That is what holds game development back. And the lowest common denominator was for a long time now the PC. Now with this, uh, the PC gets actually PC gets actually a significant upgrade in how they can use um, SSDs. And I do have the hope that with that uh, we will also see a lot of games on PC that now will require an SSD as minimum spec. Um, uh, because that would actually allow us to give us new kind of world designs, yeah, where you don't have that elevator drive <laughs> for like two <laughs> minutes because there there's us little systems out there that have a regular HD in there, uh, especially on the PC side of things. So, yeah, um, that's why I was so excited to hear this this week. Uh, it's out now um, for all developers to use. Great stuff coming, and I I do hope. Uh, we will see some of this potential um, uh, in the near future because we have ca- uh, a lot of current-gen-only games coming out this uh, this year, actually. Games like Starfield that we talked yes. about. yeah, yeah. Current-gen-only games. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see that. All right, um, Ains. And with that, I want to move over to... Uh, a part of the show that I like to call the community questions. <laughs> so, and I have to briefly change the gameplay again because we ran out of Shredder's gameplay. <laughs> Let's go back to Elden Ring here. Um, <laughs> so, there we go. All right. Yeah, the community question is the part of the show where people can write in each and every week on Twitter or YouTube community questions. So you can be part of the show, even though you're not watching live. And as always, I get a lot of fantastic questions. Um, We can't answer them all. Uh, That would simply blow the show up. But... um, I want to say a big thank you for uh, for everyone uh, that wrote uh, in some questions because there were a couple of really good ones. Um, I want to <laughs> start with Ninja Scroll Thirty. He writes in with the amount of dollars that Rockstar has made from GTA and just GTA's five sales. Uh, is the recent next-gen pa- patch underwhelming and the ongoing poorly supported Red Dead Redemption Online 2, uh, have they gone down in game developers' regards? So, hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's purely opinion, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, so Rockstar really was run, as far as we know again, right, by the two brothers. Um, and if I'm blanking on their name, I apologize. Someone can tell me in chat. Um, but they, one of them left right in 2014, 15, 16, somewhere along that way. And the concern at the time was that he led a lot of the development for a lot of their key projects, right? He kind of structured it and organized it. I'm going off a memory here. Please. Anyone feel free to correct me. Now, here we are six years later, seven years later. 
And we seem to be in a place where Rockstar, it's a legendary studio. When they do release a game, it basically stops the gaming industry, right? But they're not releasing anything. Yeah. Um, and they haven't been. You know, Red Dead 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. I think it's a masterpiece. But as we sit here today, it's four years ago now. Yeah. Um, and Grand Theft Auto 5, you know, was now nine years ago. Um, and it's just 13, yeah. Yeah, it's wild to think that a studio that has so much money, clearly they make billions, and that has so much talent is not producing any games. It just, it, it's, yeah. there's definitely something wrong from a management standpoint. Even if they, even if Grand Theft Auto 6 was to come out next year and be a masterpiece, which it probably will be a masterpiece whenever it releases, um, it still doesn't really explain a 10 year dev cycle. Um, and why no other games are being made. So in my opinion, I still, I, I think Rockstar definitely has some issues. I cherish them as a developer. They've made some in, absolutely incredible genre changing games, yeah. but it's just, it's bizarre that they don't have better seemingly management around the way they structure releases. I couldn't have said it better. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I fully agree here because um, like you said, if you have, not just the money, um, but also the size and the amount of developers available. Yeah, they're gotta huge. ask the question. Yeah, you gotta ask the question: What are they all doing right now? <laughs> right? Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's I, I really don't get it, uh, but it is what it is. Felipe Garcia writes in a question that that is that is a good one. Oh, no, pardon me. That wasn't Felipe Garcia. We come to your question later. This one uh, is from Richard Freudel. He is a actually a German guy. Um, he, he invited me to an interview a couple of months ago. It was probably the first time I did gaming-related content in German. That was a... Oh, cool. Um, yeah, that was an absolute uh, new experience for me. Okay, uh, he asks, what is the most expensive or best console accessory that you own? Is it a special controller or a statue or do you maybe have some wheels, nunchucks or anything? <laughs> Now, I know you have an entire basement full of that stuff. What's your favorite? Oh, my gosh. You might want to give me 10 minutes to think about this one. Um, <laughs> you can see me looking around the room. Uh, so I, I joked with someone the other day. So my desk is, you can see, I'm against the wall here. But this is an alcove, right? And just in my view from here behind the camera are three, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, are 15, 16, 17, 17 statues. Oh, um, <laughs> so and I, when I say statues, I don't mean collector's edition. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, big, big statues. Um, so I would have to say it's probably one of those. I don't know what my favorite statue is. I don't think I really have one. Um, so if you missed it last week, I unboxed a got the new God of War statue from Prime One Studio. It's actually sitting right there. It is it is about 60 pounds and it is absolutely massive it's it's kratos and atreus um oh. so it is a really really impressive piece even as i sit here looking at it but um yeah i this is this is hard man i'd have to rattle off a number of things i don't the weird thing is as much stuff as i own i don't think there's one thing that just stands out as like that thing i cherish mm -hmm. um all right i'll give you one i'll give you one okay so on the wall right there is my Uh, one to one scale Lancer from Gears of War. Oh, um, they made multiple versions of it, but that one that's hanging on the wall was the very first one they released when Gears 2 released. 
Mm-hmm. And you could only get it in the U.S. anyway from Amazon as part of a pre-order deal. So there's very few of them that were ever made. Okay. Um, and so you can find different replicas of it, more modern ones that have the orange tip and these other things. But that one actually has the full chainsaw effect. It has no, it doesn't look fake. It doesn't have an orange tip. It's got blood mm-hmm. all over it. And uh, it's very rare to find that original one. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good so, one. I'll say that. So, for me, it's, I, I don't have that many statues. <laughs> Definitely not. I wouldn't <laughs> have the space for it, to be honest. <laughs> I have. I have one thing um, that is just nostalgic to me, and that is uh, I have an original copy of Secret of Evermore. That's one of my mm. all-time favorite um, games. I still play that game once a year, but not the copy I'm talking about because that is still in mint condition, and it is actually signed by um, the uh, by one of the lead story writers who is actually a German guy and I met him once and he signed me that copy and it is in mint condition and on the out foil um, he, he he signed it and the, this is the one I have and that is it's just that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that is yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, that, th- those type of kind of personal things are really cool. Yes. Um, I, you did remind me. I can't believe I forgot that uh, I'm as a, an older guy, Fantasy Star is one of my favorite nostalgic RPGs on the Sega Master System, the original Fantasy mm. Star. And I still have my original copy on the shelf right back there from when I was 10 years old. Um, oh, it nice. still has the battery backup in it with game saves. They probably don't work anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I've had that for 33 years. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The, the this nostalgia stuff that we could talk about for hours I sure have a, yes i have a, an og game boy game called um uh, wizards and demons um yes i remember that one yeah yeah and uh, i th- this is also a game because um when my grandma uh, was really sick for a long time and uh, she lived like an hour away from us and my mother and i we drove basically yeah like five times a week to 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 my grandma taking care of her a little bit sure. and i i was playing that in the car uh every day for like a year or so <laughs> and that's wow. why I, I i this is one of the very rare games that i didn't sell in my early 20s because i couldn't do it so yeah um let me ask you another question coming in from Felipe Garcia. It's a little bit also tech related. When it comes to graphics, what are the poten- what what is the potential of this generation and where's the upper limit? Will we see 4K 60 games to be the standard for PS5 and Series X? Will it be 4K 120? What do you think? Yeah, so this I think that there's quite a few people that wonder about this because yeah. if, you're, if you're not really, as you know, right, if you're not really into the tech space and you, you look at what's typically advertised for games, it's always a resolution and a frame rate, right? Um, and what I try to say whenever I can, so I'll say it again right now, is resolution, well, frame rate's different, but resolution, generally speaking, can be very misleading um, mm-hmm. because the resolution is only that they display on Twitter and advertising and games and videos is only yeah. the display resolution, right? It doesn't take into account anything going into the assets on the screen, texture quality, lighting. And there's a whole ton of other things that go into producing yeah. an on-screen image than just the resolution. So it's it's kind of hard to say, could it top you know 4K 120, et cetera? I mean, right now, Halo Infinite, I play in 4K 120 right now on my Series X. Mm. But 
it's a 4K display resolution, right? The effects, the the, the texture, shadowing, lighting, all that are, are different than if I was playing on, say, an ultra PC setting, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what the upper limit is. I, I, I certainly can tell you we haven't hit it yet. It kind of goes back a little bit to what uh, we were talking about with the whole DirectX Ultimate suite, right? Mm -hmm. is there's other things within that suite we didn't touch on, such as like yeah. uh, asset streaming that are going yeah. to uh, help developers and games produce a, a higher quality image overall. Um, yeah. Real 5, you know, new engine, which has some really cool tech in it um, that's going to help with yeah. those things as well. So I think over the next couple of years, uh, we're going to start to see it's it's going to be a longer tail, I think, where it wasn't like we jumped the 360 and suddenly you have 720p HD gears and yeah. see it right away, right? Like, yeah. I think that games like um, Gears 5, right now are, are a great demonstration of kind of some of the more advanced tech. But when Gear 6 comes and takes full advantage of Unreal 5 and modern development, things like we've touched on already, you're yeah. going to see that next jump. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to just throw a resolution and a, and a frame rate at a target. It's very, it's much more complex than that. It definitely is. It doesn't tell you anything about how good a game actually looks, um, no. but it is an easy thing to compare. And that's why... People, of course, try to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, I have more teraflops than you do or stuff like that. <laughs> doesn't tell you anything if, if your oh. system is actually more performant or not. Um, but it's an easy number to compare. Yeah. Um, let me put it this way. I do hope that we move away from uh, 60 FPS being the performance mode. I think this should be the standard and the performance mode would be the 120 frames I agree. I agree mode. Um, but... Uh, what I truly hope is that we don't have a discussion about 4K or 60 FPS anymore because by the end of this generation, I do hope that th things like variable refresh rate um, becomes a standard uh, on most TV manufacturers and people really don't have to care if a game can actually run at 50, 60 or 70 frames. It's it's It would change a lot. I also think the pure... Um, comparison of or, or yeah target for high resolutions like 4k is a waste of resources because you can do much more with the computational power um, than uh, get 4k pixels rendered um, so I hope we see on the upscaling side of things a lot of things I would like you said we haven't seen anything um, uh, in terms of many of the big features that that um, these new consoles can do. One thing that I always mention is mesh shaders. This is really a potential for uh, real true next-gen graphics because um, it will completely change the rendering pipeline that we have to, in today's uh, games. The, the pipelines we have today in almost every game, probably in every game, is, is something that is actually very old, um, that was developed 20 years ago and then you hit a certain wall and then they added stuff to this pipeline. And if you look in a classic rendering pipeline today, there are so many different things in there. And um, mesh shaders would just delete that completely and throw in a complete new rendering line pipeline. It, it, it is a chance to, to modernize modern 
day rendering. And I hope we will talk about a bit more about this these kind of things than uh, just pure resolution. But like I said earlier, um, since it's so easy to compare, we will probably still talk <laughs> about the digital foundry comparisons um, and who gets a few pixels more or not. Um, yeah, I want to ask you a question from Andrew Source, also a little bit tech related. What would you like Keystone to be? Have you heard that uh, leak? Um, we talked about uh, it on this show last week. There was a, a database leak where they had different code names for Xbox consoles. Yeah, mm -hmm. they had Durango in there and all these code names. And there was a new one, and that is the Project Keystone. And so the speculation is out there. What is Project Keystone? Hmm. Is it going to be a new console? Is it going to be a streaming stick? What do you want it to be? What do I? Well, yeah, those are two different questions. What do I want it to be, and what do I think it'll be? Uh, you know, I, I I would love for it. I'm always one who wants to just, uh, you know, I, I prefer to play on console over PC. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, I have a really nice home theater, and that's just how I prefer to play. But I, I, I you know, I I'm one of those few probably that would pay a thousand or fifteen hundred dollar US dollars for a console. Just max it out, you know, put whatever you need to do in it, and just give me the best console. Yeah. That's what I would love for it to be. Uh, I don't think it's that. Um, <laughs> where So I've written a few times around where Xbox is headed, and I always find it kind of interesting because they are, you know, of the big three, they are the ones that are kind of pushing the technical mm. boundaries and have been more recently. Um, I personally think what we're going to see out of Xbox next is that is something that is a, a cheap device that will give you connectivity on nearly any device to access the xbox ecosystem they've been driving towards that for a while yeah. uh all the pieces are there if you think of it kind of like a uh, a lego set right they've they've been kind of gathering all the pieces and slowly sticking them together and now they're they're coming together to finish the final product and that is really being able to access game pass your digital library your profile your xbox live your friends etc anywhere mm -hmm. without a console and without a pc and you can do that, uh, you know, to a degree versus xCloud, but this would be something um, that would kind of, uh, don't know the word I'm looking for, um, kind of mitigate the need where, uh, you know, if uh, bandwidth was necessarily a concern or the device was a concern, mm. uh, this is something that would be more plug and play and take away the need for 100% streaming just the game itself, you know, so... I think it's uh, it's one of those middle ground devices I think we're going to see out of Xbox between, say, xCloud and the Series S. And uh, I just think that that seems to be the next step for them, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You're probably right that this uh, is highly likely that it could be this. The only other thing I... I, by the way, I would also buy that 1,000 <laughs> euro <laughs> high-end console. I, I'd love that. And I still think we will see a mid-gen refresh eventually, but it's probably way too early for that in the gen. The thing what came to my mind is um, if it's not a streaming stick, um, is that it's going to be a slim version of the Series X. And here's why. We are still in that um, chip shortage situation globally. Yep. And um, the slim has always been the, not the reason for a slim has always been not that we get a smaller console in our homes. That wasn't the intention. The intention was because after a couple of years, you can manufacture the chips, the same chip 
on a significantly smaller die size. And especially now in the in the in the world where uh, every inch on a wafer counts a lot more than uh, it yeah. used to, it would definitely make sense to have a slim. Same power, same specs like the Series X, typical slim, yeah, same specs, but they could manufacture more of those consoles, yeah. Um, if you reduce the die size half, you can double the the, the amount of, of consoles you can manufacture, basically. So um, I would be surprised if both Sony and Microsoft um, don't bring try to bring out a slim as soon as possible, um, because of the of this chip shortage, so this is the the other thing that I could see this Keystone thing turn out to be. So yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a good point. It's an interesting time in the industry because of that, right? Like there's yeah. so many kind of downstream impacts that are happening because of everything going on. It's I couldn't imagine being part of the leadership having to work through these issues, you know, with logistics. That'd be oh, a yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> I've been. Totally different industry, obviously, but I have also been in a lot of um, task forces uh, around global logistics and availability of parts. Um, yeah. It is you are, you are facing issues you haven't even thought about. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's crazy right now. It's a crazy world we live in. Yeah. But man, I wanna I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, it's been a blast having you on. Um, Ainsley, let everyone know where they can find you and uh, what you are working on. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, man. Uh, you know, it's always good chatting with you. So thanks for the invite. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, anytime. I uh, love chatting with you. Um, yeah, so um, you can find me as Ains or, or Porsche Power on Twitter. Um, you know, there's not many Ainsleys. I'm easy to find. Uh, and then Season Gaming. Uh, everything we do is there. Um, we, we've had, uh, we, we've done a lot this year. We've kind of come out of the gate firing this year. Uh, we started our Patreon back in January, um, mm -hmm. and we're doing unique content for that kind of a bunch of timed exclusive stuff. I've done some big conversations and interviews, uh, and we're producing more content on the channel than ever, uh, too. So, uh, we just, uh, recently passed 10,000 subscribers, which was a nice little milestone. Um, and so we do a uh, weekly live show every Sunday morning, uh, morning uh, U.S. time, um, which is called the Big Cast. As I said, Arch has been on there many times in the past. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just recently changed our panel there as well. So we're kind of a new yeah. panel with, uh, with some great addition with Hogue Law. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the, the one nice thing I say about our show now is, you know, when you think about uh, someone like myself who is kind of tech orientated and has covered the industry for a very long time, then we have Travis who writes for IGN, does reviews, you know, he has insights at, at big companies. And then Hogue is obviously a lawyer. He has his own channel doing legal breakdowns. So there's a lot of insight that we provide on that show. Um, so yeah, if, if you like kind of a insightful uh, weekly gaming show, please check us out. It, it would be very appreciated. And uh other than that, um, yeah, just a, a lot of new content on on season gaming, like I said. So you can you can find that pretty easily. But thank you again, absolutely. Appreciate it. And you definitely can find all the links again in the show notes um, here. Uh, so that makes it very easy to find the stuff, and I highly recommend it. I love you. I love the bitcast. I've been a listener since you have been very very early on i think it was episode 15 or 20 something in that range when <laughs> i started to listen with bird was still on the show and, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, that, that's even before dan even joined us um yeah. so that's going back years now and, and i that's 
yeah, I mean, when when I first you had you on as a guest, yeah, when you were first getting into this stuff, right? Yeah. Like, I yeah, think that I, was I very early in my channel days. Uh, I had like five videos up or so, and it was yeah. your first live show. I was the first live guest because uh, up until that point, you had those pre-recorded shows. And the first time you had a YouTube live show, um, I was the first guest. So uh, I remember thank you. that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Episode see? 99. So and now you're almost <laughs> in at 200, right? Yeah, Very we're soon, one, so one ninety five this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's, that's really awesome. something. Yeah, it's a, it's a great show. I I still listen um, each and every week. Um, it's I have like three podcasts that I never miss each week, and you're one of the uh, oh, podcasts. Awesome. One of them because it is like you said, a very insightful uh, show with different opinions and. I like that. Even if I sometimes don't agree with an opinion, um, that's fine. That's part of the, the discussion. But um, it is yeah. always a very well-produced show. So definitely recommend to check that out. And I also want to say a big thank you to everyone who has been here with us live today in chat. Um, it's been a fantastic show. Um, you guys... As always, you behave so well. I have now like three moderators, and outside of some spam bots, uh, we never had to to intervene here anywhere. Uh, it's it's a fantastic community. I want to say a big thank you also for the super chats that came in, and um, yeah, I have a very interesting video in the making. Um, I hope I will finish it tomorrow. Otherwise, it'll it'll be up on the channel on Monday. I haven't seen anyone covering this yet, and I wonder why, because it is tech-related and very awesome. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, other than that, I hope you all enjoy the, the Hogwarts Legacy showing um, later uh, in like 20 minutes. Or 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, it's going to start. <laughs> Can't wait to see what that game will be. And if you want to see a live reaction, I will be on the Midweek Mix-Up um, channel from Wandering Dutch uh, with a short live reaction after that. Um, other than that, I see you all next week. And I always try to remember everyone to don't forget to game on. <laughs>